From the heart of the Forest City, focusing on the biggest stories in London, this is the Craig Needles Podcast. Now here's your host, Craig Needles. It's the Craig Needles Podcast. It's the Friday Roundtable, which of course you can find at ClassicRock981.com. Find it at LondonNewsToday.ca. And we are joined here in studio by lawyer Ali Jabbar. We've got Jesse Roger here, who is the executive director over at Nova. And we've got former city councillor Hollywood Cheryl Miller. Hello, everybody. Thank you for being here today. Hi. Hello. Hollywood. I love it. Yeah, well, the, the, the name sticks. Uh, I, I, switch, I switch places of business, but the nickname <laughs> sticks. Uh, let's get into the, the, the news this week. And the biggest thing this week is that we're starting to see some very, very visible signs of frustration from the provincial government in regards to this green situation. We have got the province's integrity commissioner saying that, yes, in fact, Steve Clark did break the rules uh, when it comes to what happened with the green belt. Uh, Doug Ford's lashing out at reporters. Steve Clark is going, that was an 18 minute news conference Steve Clark had this week. And it, uh, I think, and I tweeted this out, I think it was probably the worst 18 minutes of his professional life. You could just tell he hated Every second of it, just hated being there. And Steve Clark's a guy with a long reputation in politics of, of, of doing the right thing and being a stand-up guy. And now he's been sort of foisted into this mess. So what happens with this? Does Steve Clark have to go for this to settle down? Like, Or what happens with the, with the premier here? What happens with the green belt, Cheryl? Um, okay, then. <clears throat> yeah, I actually didn't think Steve needed to go. But the more I look at it, the more I think... We've got to save the integrity of this government, and right now he's dragging them down. We're, we're losing sight of where we want to be. We want to be building houses. We've, Toronto, in fact, is, has so many people who are unhoused, and it's happening in London. It's happening in, in Hamilton. So I think the only way that uh, Ford can move on and address this fuck-up of the switched lands in, in the Greenbelt is to have a long talk to Steve and say for the betterment of the party and for the our agenda, I think you need to step down. 120 seconds for the first swear word. I had the under. <laughs> okay. I was going to say, well, what's the delay now? It used to be seven seconds. Yeah, yeah, right? Hey, with the, C- the CBSC can't do anything to me here. <laughs> okay, right. uh, AJ Ray see. on the podcast a couple weeks ago swore <laughs> and said he did it in your honor. Yes, I'm not sure you did. heard that. We, I need a list of uh, approved approved words we can say or words that aren't. Uh, uh, I think F's okay. Okay. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so um, I guess with regards to what Cheryl said, the issue for me is this, and it's really more of a question than a statement. This is front news story right now. It's headlines right now. It's also August right now. And what I'm trying to ascertain is, does this thing have legs? Will this come election time in a few years? Is anybody going to remember yeah. this? Right. Um, will this be a ballot question? Uh, uh, undoubtedly, no. no. Um, yes, it's hot in certain parts of the of the province. Is it hot in London and southwestern Ontario? Maybe to, depending on you know who you talk to. My question is this: um, Will Steve Clark resign? I, I don't. I don't. I don't know. He will. Like go back twenty will. years ago, ministerial standards when it came to resignations, uh, he would be done. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. 15 years ago, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, you used to have ministers that would resign for a fraction of these types of things, right? But the reality, the political landscape has shifted to such a degree that I don't know anymore whether, um, you know, whether the minister, this is enough for a minister to resign, right? Maybe, maybe the premier goes to him at some point in a week or two or month and says, all right, Steve, I tried, tried my best to keep you around. Um, You know, we tried to ride it out. Doesn't look like it's going to go away. 
I'm going to need you to fall on the sword. Your chief of staff, that wasn't enough to get the job done. Yeah. Maybe that happens, but I, I if, um, if I was putting a bet on it right now, I'm not sure. I, I truly am not yeah. sure if he's going to go. Me neither, but I think it would work. Because it would stop the bleed. Yeah, it would be, you know, the wolves are at the door and yeah. it would you know, be something to feed to said wolves. Yeah, Jesse, true. what do you think? Um, well, I, I didn't know that, like, I when I heard the results of it, I'm like, well, they have a super majority. Like, I, I don't. It doesn't matter. I, yeah. Like, and well, and the election is so far off. I'm like, I, I was like, this is, this is ridiculous. And I think we know what should happen. But my expectations for people taking responsibility, uh, they're low. So... It'll be interesting to see what happens when sort of September rolls around. But yeah. this is, it's a big deal. And I, we had one person fall on the sword. And it, I don't think that that's going to be uh, enough for a lot of people. Low for, it, like low across the board, low for every party, low for every level of government, low, low for the federal, the provincial, the yeah. municipal, right? Like the, the prime minister... Uh, not that long ago, uh, they said that, remember, the CSIS had knowledge about Chinese interference in Canada, yeah. right? And the PMO's off it. Like, the PMO knew about it, right? And people were calling for the prime minister to resign. It's like, oh, you know, the, the, your your office knew about it. It's like, well, you know, let's just ride it out, right? It, nothing's going to happen, right? And, and uh, I mean, I know the prime minister is the highest office in the land, but it's like, okay, whether we're talking about a minister, mm-hmm. I just feel like the, the, the playbook now with politics is, just ride it out and only in extreme rare circumstances will you have a politician or a minister or 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 anybody really but if you want to compare the two levels provincial and federal the feds have done everything wrong that they possibly can there's so many issues and so many things they've done and they've walked away from it so well you're right walked away for now but if we look at polling data all of a sudden they're in a whole (laughs) heap of trouble Hallelujah. Um, But I still think, and and I worry about the fact that the agenda is more important than Steve Clark. And, you know, when are they going to start thinking about that? Because let's let's be honest, the the developers came in, they bought the land, they were going to flip it. That's just wrong. And but they're not accountable to anybody. Um, And passing the buck to Steve Clark's exact assistant. Well, I guess that's an attempt. But we're talking about land acquisition and as we're here sitting in London we're not even talking in London about land acquisition about moving the urban growth boundary like that's got to come here too no but here's my question for you Cheryl the average voter in the province of yes, Ontario right. when they look at this issue yep. what are they how are they people in this room aside right yeah. right and, and the, people it, that listen to a podcast like right, this right, right. are going to be in tune with this stuff that's right no. for most people in Ontario housing affordability and how much it costs at the grocery store that's what you care yeah. about it, right now this is not yeah. a big deal it, exactly number one and even for those people who are plugged in uh, they say well we need housing Right, and this is a step, an active step uh, that the province is taking towards it. I'm not, I'm not defending the province. I'm not apologizing no, for that. No. What I'm saying is, you're just being real. I'm being real. <laughs> I'm saying that the person will say, "Oh, developers are cozy with the government." Okay, that's not breaking news. Unions are close <laughs> with the government. Okay, that's not breaking news. We need houses. The premier is now doing something, right? And again, not that talk radio is is indicative of kind of the the, the larger populace out there, but you would be surprised by the number of people that actually look at this and go, yeah, I know it was kind of a little bit shady or a little untoward or there was a little too much proximity, but really at the end of the day, we need more houses and this is the way we get this done. And that's why I don't think, to to your point, Jesse, that when it actually push comes to shove in, in a year or two or three, no one's going to really care about this uh, uh, issue, um, right? The mm-hmm. question becomes, does Minister Clark 
resign. And to your point, uh, by the way, Cheryl and I have met him, uh, right? We, yes. He, his reputation, Craig, to your point is yeah. like he's a yeah. honorable guy, a decent yep. guy. He's, they say he's one of the friendliest, nicest guys you'll ever meet in politics, right? But mm-hmm. does that, is that enough to save him at the end of the day? But maybe, is this maybe, yes, be, maybe no. Is right? this going to be their gas plant? Could be. Right. Yeah. But how did, how did that, how, how did McGinty do after the gas plant? Though? Well, did, he, he had to go and then someone else had to be premier for right. a few years and, after and, he was gone. Yeah. And that still carried the stink right to the election. Yeah. But Kathleen Wynne won a majority. But that, yeah, I, that's, I that's, that's what I, that's what I'm yeah. saying. Yep. So gas plant scandal, again, you and I remember that for being on the front line of that. It's like, oh my God, everybody cares about the gas plant scandal. Everybody, oh, this is going to be the downfall of the liberals. Uh, majority for Kathleen yeah. Wynne, now, right? And this is my point. Is this a gas I don't, plant? I don't know if I necessarily have to tell the two of you this, but Tim Hudak didn't help your chances. Oh, I was just going to say, we didn't lose Listen, Tim Hudak. Cheryl's a big fan of the man's. So I can't oh. let you talk ill of the man right in front of my friend Cheryl. Here, okay? uh, <laughs> yeah, I made that, that, national that's, news. That's pr- you, you did make national news. I remember that well. Um, that was probably not breaking news to either of you that, hey, maybe this guy was having a likability issue yeah, yeah. at that time. Uh, hey, but, we, went, yeah. we went into that election. Uh, the day before the writ was dropped, 11 points up. Yep. Uh, yeah. Right? And then... 30, 36 days later or whatever it was, uh, many points down, right? Yeah. And so elections still do matter and leaders still do matter. And so we'll see how yeah. see how this one shakes and out. And people have a lot of negative things to say about Kathleen Wynne, and, and I've had some criticisms of her government, but the woman can run a campaign. Yeah, yeah. That is that is an indisputable <laughs> fact that she knows what she's doing there. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesse Alley mentioned that, hey, this is not going to be something people necessarily remember, you know, a few years down the road, but they do remember the housing price thing. Yeah. Do you think that that is maybe driving the bus here as far as what the the provincial government's doing when it comes to, hey, we're just going to try to put our heads in the sand and ignore this because they know that people are focused on other things. I think there's, uh, yeah, absolutely. The housing prices are wild and not just for the people who, you know, places like Inova and other places, but people who we serve, but also the people who work for us. Yeah. So it, it kind of goes across the board. But I think the other piece to this that I've seen in my um, in my social circles is the concern around the environment, right? So I think if there's like also going to be some pushback, like from from uh, people that I have talked to, the last couple of elections, the environment has been one of their top issues, how they're voting. So this idea about the green belt and saving the green belts is, I think that's an interesting, it's an interesting thing for me to think about. I, I'm not completely plugged into that, but I think it's it's going to be interesting to see how it all shakes out. Well, we didn't see much of a push to bring the Green Party into Ontario. Like, nothing annoys me more than when they're interviewing the party of one um, and asking for his opinion. He couldn't even get a seconder on a vote if he tried, right? (laughs) So, so, like, when you talk about the environment, then, then I think, well, there's no actions that back that. And we've got, we've got a liberal government that's charging us, taxing us to death to help the environment. And what's his figures look like? Yeah. They look yeah. really bad. The environment, here's the thing with the environment, right? When you get a survey of some, some abacus or, or form or somebody call you and they say, list your top five things, mm-hmm. you always say, you know, healthcare and, 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 and you're like, yeah, yeah, the environment. Yeah, yeah, the environment too. But then when you actually go to vote, yeah. uh, it's kind of like foreign policy, right? <laughs> Nobody ever votes Maybe. based on foreign, policy, foreign yeah. policy. And you have some people that will vote, kind of a small subset of people that will vote with the environment as their number one, but in the grand scheme of things, the environment, is. environmental issues, sadly, don't don't carry the same weight at the ballot boxes as as people think they do, right? No. Yeah, the liberals oh, interesting yeah. Yeah. have been beating us up about it, yeah. and the environment minister of Canada is a joke. Well, yeah, and and that's catching up to them, obviously, and and 
you look at the, the polling data we were just talking about that came out this past week, uh, when the NDP and the Conservatives are both significantly ahead of the Liberals amongst <laughs> voters who are born, say, 1994 and later... Again, it's one poll, but we're seeing a pattern here where younger voters, and I, I can't help it, it has to be housing related. Younger voters are just saying, you know what, we're out on these guys. And and maybe the conservatives get some grace there. The provincial ones that the federal liberals don't because they haven't been around as long. I don't know. We'll see. But they're just, uh, the younger voters saying, we're just out on these guys. We're going to the other parties. Mm-hmm. It's my, it's everything. It's groceries. You go to the store. Do you know they were charging twelve dollars for a little watermelon? Really, like w- when when you look at that and you think we, we've gone crazy here. What what the hell's going on? And then you've got the leader of the opposition. No, he's not. Actually, he's a third party who's in bed with the first party. Um, wants to give four hundred dollars more to do nothing to families except cost more for the for this nation to do if that. you have a situation i've talked about this uh, on this podcast before and on online before if you have a situation where you're going to write a bunch of checks to people yeah. to cover the cost of their housing that's not going to make housing less expensive no it isn't it's going to make housing uh, basically that that 400 is going to go into the pockets of the people who are selling the house or the people who are doing the who are, who are the landlords wherever it happens to be that's not going to make it cheaper to find a place to live no of course it's not it's not. There's, there's just no, there's no chance uh, I, I want to ask you about uh, the last thing on the Greenbelt, then I do want to ask you all about the housing situation. But first, the Greenbelt. This is, uh, I, don't, I don't think it's a, a decider as far as uh, how people feel about this government. And, and three years from now, when we go to the polls, no one's going to care. However, gas plants was just one of the things that wound up eventually being the undoing of the McGinty win liberals. And eventually they wound up with seven seats. Is this something that could start that type of freefall, do you think? Or is it, is it just so far off of where Ontarians are that it doesn't really matter? So, uh, multi-part answer. I don't think this in and of itself will, will do it. Is it a death, death by a thousand paper cuts? Maybe, but I don't think, to, to Jesse's point, they have not a majority, not a super majority. They have like a super duper majority, yeah. right? And the answer to your question will depend in large part in terms of how the opposition parties do, right? Merrick Stiles is now the new leader of, of, of the NDP. Does anybody know anything about her? Nope. No. Uh, what's her impression going to be by the time the election uh, comes around? Who knows, right? I don't even know. And, and, and we are like, we follow politics, like we follow sports. I don't even know who the liberal leader is in Ontario. Like, I, I, I don't even know. Fraser. Uh, well, okay, well, I would have lost that bet. And I yep. follow, like, I follow this as closely as you guys do, right? That's a major problem, right? Yeah. And, and so... Uh, Ford has a pretty good hand right now. Uh, will he still be the leader in three years? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe they'll have somebody else that comes up through the, uh, uh, to, to maybe Trudeau, like Trudeau. Is Trudeau going to be the prime, uh, the leader of the Liberals by the time the next election rolls mm-hmm. around? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But honestly, Craig, uh, I don't see it as of this moment, as of September 1st, 2023, I don't see this government um, uh, being vulnerable as of this moment. No, and I think with the redistribution, are we going to do that or not? We don't know, right? We're still not sure. Yeah, there we go. Um, Which is a big deal in London. It sure is. Like the electoral district? Yes. Uh, yeah, changing yeah, yeah, the, the boundaries yeah. oh, as yes. far as where London yeah. West is, London North Centre, and so on yeah. and so forth. Yes. It will make a change in London, no matter what. Yeah. I think the the, and I agree with you, I, I, I don't think there's any jeopardy. But the problem is, having been a municipal politician, yeah. 
I think ethics is really important because, see, being a municipal politician, you walk the street and people come up to you, go in the grocery store, you're out in the public. So I think accountability is really, really important. But with this council, they, they don't seem to, there's a few of them who hide, like six of them who hide out in their boroughs and don't want to hear what's happening because people, the developers are talking about urban growth boundary. Mm. You want housing. We're, 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 we're tied in here. So we're going to build in Lucan. We're going to build all outside of London. You'll and they name. are. Mm -hmm. And they're going to other municipalities. So I don't want to hear boo-hoo-hoo. We've got no housing starts in London. We have no damn land. Mm. you got to have land to build on. Mm. And they can subdivide differently than the, what they do. There's people who don't want the big lots. They don't want the million-dollar places. They want a house yeah. near a school that they can live like a family. Yep. Mm -hmm. We've got to start thinking, and developers have, when, when, we, when we task them with building, look at the apartments that are going up. I love to see all the cranes because we're building up. I walk past a lot of cranes on yeah. my way here, which I, is good. I love it. I want to walk past more cranes. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, on, on the housing front, and I want to ask you about this, Jesse. How, how do you see it impact your work, and and what goes on at Anova? Oh, yeah. oh uh, every moment of every day. <laughs> oh, okay. Other than that, though, <laughs> <laughs> um, in a whole bunch of different ways. Um, one, uh, when people are coming into. Uh, Vance Against Women's Shelter, the expectation um, from provincial funders is that they're there for a maximum of 42 days. Um, that is not the case because you can't yep. find somewhere There's safe to go. There's nowhere else to go. Yeah. There's nowhere safe for them to go. And if you discharge people at those 42 days without a safe place to go, they're just going to be right back at our doorstep because the violence is ever more present when you are also experiencing homelessness. Um, we also see it in our uh, second stage housing. Second stage housing was built when it was the program yeah. was created uh, across across the, the province and across the, the country, it was meant to be transitional. It was meant to be for one year. It's not happening anymore because women can't move out when their risk lowers. They can't move out to private market. They can't afford it. So then we have more people applying who need it. And we've got folks who have nowhere to go and would experience a, a huge increase in their in their risk if they were to leave uh, to go to somewhere unsafe. So uh, it's uh, it's unbelievably challenging. And also now we're starting to see it in our programs that have nothing to do with housing where people are coming and they're hungry, right? And we're having to have food cupboards and programs that don't have anything to do with feeding people because groceries are expensive. So unbelievably hard to to pay to have a place to stay that you're having to take away from from other parts of your budget. So there isn't a, a moment that goes by that it's not top of mind. Yeah. And, and, and that, I think, kind of underscores the, the severity of the problem we're facing here. And and I'm not saying that, like, you know, federally, provincially, municipally, everyone shares the blame. I don't care what party you're with. Everyone shares some of the blame for this. We've gotten ourselves into a really ugly situation here. Yes. And this is this is the result, Ali. So when we see that, OK, the federal liberals are getting really crushed on this and, hey, maybe the provincial conservatives are up next when it's closer to election time for them. I just don't see the way out of it for them because the, the, the housing market's not getting fixed in a year or two. It's going to get fixed in five if we're lucky, if things go great. Yeah, to, to paraphrase uh, Shakespeare, it's a, pl a plague on all your houses, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And it doesn't matter. Right. It doesn't matter if you're blue or red or orange. It doesn't matter if you're federal, provincial, municipal. Like this is, like there are certain issues that transcend politics or certain issues that, like don't get me, they're inherently political in nature, but that transcend. And this is one where 
everybody's impacted. If you look at um, immigration to the country, right? If you look at not just immigration, but you look at migration, right? If you look at London as a microcosm of the larger issue, right? Uh, London's population, I think we're the fastest growing city in the province of Ontario, the yes. third fastest in the in the, in the country, okay. yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Well, that's a, what's that a byproduct of? That's immigration. That's migration from the GTA. We see our, our, our numbers are expanding like exponentially. I can tell you from a school, like from an education mm-hmm. perspective, our schools are just bursting at the seams, right? And uh, people need places to live, right? And um, it just seems to be that it's a lot of, you know, passing the buck. Well, the federal government looks at the provincial government. The provincial government says, well, actually, it's a municipal thing. Municipal says, well, we need funding. Okay, well, you know what? There are certain issues that you need to get together, figure it out. And uh, uh, my concern is that five years from now, seven years from now, 10 years from now, are we going to be having the same conversation, uh, right? Like you're looking at a national housing program? Wow, wouldn't that be nice? And a provincial housing program. Because part of the... And listening to you, Jesse, just, I mean, it's horrible for women and children. Mm-hmm. That's why we're, do, we're building Jones Place at YOU. Yes. Yep. yes. That's exactly that's an answer. Yeah. But there's not enough answers. Right now, we're focusing on housing the unhoused. Yep. We're not focusing on families. We're not focusing on moms and kids. We're not focusing. See, my pro- my problem is is if we keep looking at the microscope at yep. one section, yep. all the rest fall off the table. And I have a huge, huge problem with moms and kids. Right? Yeah. yeah. It's like a micro approach to a macro a problem, right? Totally. Yeah. So so if you don't house them and look after them, and we're focused on making sure that the street people don't have a place, then we lose sight of mm. of our kids that are coming up in the next generation. Ali, we were just talking about our grandkids. And the point is that I look at my grandkids and I think, oh my God, what kind of a mess are you going to get into that you've got to fix? You know, it's interesting. I was talking about this with a friend the other day, that your grandkids are going to be in a real rough spot. Yes. My kids and Ali's kids, if we play our cards right, it may not be so bad for them. But your grandkids are going to be in a real rough spot because that that 10 extra years makes a big difference. Of course. And I've got my oldest grandson who will be vying for a position at Shulik Med School. And I'm pleased to see that the province opened up a lot more spots Mm -hmm. for him. So we need that generation is the one that's going to. It's like, you know, the the, host tell people, we have a braid with horses. I never want to be the guy pushing the shit cart and the shovel, picking up the horse shit, right? But I, I liken that to the generation of my grandkids. They're coming behind the mess that we created, and they're having to clean up for your kids. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about the health and homelessness conversation because the City of London is doing a bunch of events where they're doing conversations surrounding, uh, hey, this is what this is going to be. They're trying to do some public outreach here, which I understand and I get that. At the same time, we're also hearing that this is clearly a matter of the utmost importance. So do you think, Jesse, we've done enough public engagement on this already? Is it time to just go? Or do you understand why we're kind of just maybe taking this a little bit slowly for the next couple of weeks here? I I think it's such a huge undertaking and such a huge process that it is, and we've never done this before, Right. Um, that... There, there's a there's a piece where it's like we just need to get shit done and get moving on some stuff. I also think that 
it is really important for the whole community to understand that this is this is our plan. This is the this is not just for agencies like mine and others who serve people who are experiencing homelessness and who have you know serving people with with high acuity. This is this is everybody in the city who's who's responsible for understanding and hopefully supporting. I spent all day yesterday at a, a housing and homelessness um, uh, summit for. I sit on the accountability and strategy table, mm-hmm. and we talked a little bit about um, you know when we're in that that room, we can answer questions super clearly. We're really excited. We're really motivated, but realizing that we haven't talked to the public a lot as a sector about the work that we do in this kind of a way. And we're needing to learn how to ask the right questions and also give answers that aren't a lot of like shop talk so that people can understand what's going on and how or how things are working because I think that's a that's a learning that we're doing through this. But yeah, it's a lot of it's a lot of fucking work. We'll go back to the <laughs> cleaning up after the horse shit. Bit late. Um, my understanding is that that they're going to come and do presentations to the public. Mm-hmm. And One of these meetings happened this week, by the way. They've had two. There's yeah. three more next week. There you go. Yeah, and they do presentations. And you have to sit there and listen. I'm not good at listening um, when I've heard everything. <laughs> I've noticed that over the years, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, like they have been shoveling us this stuff, and nobody has answers. And I'm going to go to a public uh, presentation where I'm talked to. Like, nobody absolutely talked and asked me what I thought. So would you want a Q&A then? Well, I would want an opportunity that if we're going to do this again, that people other than in the industry are invited to sit at those tables because you work in that industry. I don't. There's a lot of people out there who don't who right now are saying, what the hell are we doing? So then who do we invite then if it's not people who are working for the City of London or working for one of the agencies? Who get, Just whoever wants to come. Well, let's let's be frank. Do we, ha- we have any politicians there who have to make the decision who are accountable to the public? No. no. Was there federal? No. Was there provincial? No. And to me, if you want to go for dollars, then you better damn well invite the dollars to the table with you. Because... There was no budget. There was nothing to this. And then they dumped this in the Lynn Livingston plan, and she's leaving at the end of December. So Sean Lewis and Elizabeth Peloza were here on this very podcast. Heard go, And they said, we're looking for about, I think, $8.1 million. For one. I think that, that's, that, that would be the, to operate the five. Mm. Uh, for, Do you think uh, so? I don't 8. think 8.1 so. for all five? Uh, not like the, I think that's just operating budget for a year. Okay. I believe I'll have to go yeah. back and listen to exactly yeah, what yeah. they said. But when they, I said, what did you ask the province for? They said $8.1 million. Do you think they get it? I guess is my question to you. No, no. Because once you assume this responsibility, the government's going to say, yeah, back at you. What? Like there's got to be provincial and federal dollars. There's, it's like, I, I put on um, X today I, for Twitter um, the column from what's happening out in Edmonton, um, the horrible situation they're in. It's across Canada. It's not just London. Well, well you and know, I, I, I had that same thought this summer, Cheryl. So I had the opportunity. I was born and raised in this country, but it was my first time in the span of one month. I was in Victoria, British Columbia. And then at the end of the month, I was in St. John's, Newfoundland. Oh, I love right? that. Yeah. But... It, but 
beautiful trip. Yeah. But what I did notice was exactly what you just said, which is sometimes there's a proclivity or propensity in, for Londoners to think, well, these are London issues, yeah, right? They're not. I saw this front and center in Victoria, BC. I saw this front and center in St. John's, Newfoundland, and I was struck by the fact, I'm like, this is a national crisis. problem. It's, it's a crazy. national issue. It's a national crisis, right? right? And so, which le- leads me to think, well, the greatest minds and the greatest thinkers and the greatest politicians and the greatest not-for-profit and the greatest leaders in industry and business, like, there's a solution out there um, if we get, if, if everybody can kind of come together and, and figure it out. And it sounds kind of kumbaya, but, but like, this is, again, one of those issues, whether we're talking about homelessness or we're talking about a housing crisis, there are certain issues that, that kind of impact the national discussion. This is one of them. And we, you know, I, I like the fact that London, um, you know, is taking certain initiatives that are kind of homegrown, but, but I don't know if, if, Every municipality has to invent the wheel on this one, right? And I don't think it's sustainable locally. You know, with the tax dollars. What do you, what do you mean by that? What do you mean sustainable? Fund it. Oh, from a monetary. Because yeah. the property okay. tax base alone can't do this. That's yeah, 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 yeah. I completely agree. Totally. I completely agree. I mean, that will right. bleed us dry because yeah. when I paid my taxes the other day, I'm thinking, what the hell am I getting for this anymore? And it's less Less garbage and less collection. Wrong, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Twice a week. Yeah. And they promised me that they would use, they would put the pet waste in it and diapers. Now, because 80% of my garbage is diapers because, you know, my husband has I assumed it was horse shit based on your previous comments. (laughs) I put horse shit in my garden to grow vegetables that we eat. So, (laughs) (laughs) um, but, but, um, 80% 80% of my garbage now is 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 adult, is adult diapers. Yep. And so that's going to be a two-week pickup yep. when we were promised right from the get-go that there was going to be diapers and that there was going to be pet waste mm. and litter and stuff like that. But mm. now we're down to the stuff that really breaks down quickly and is marketable. That's all we're, that's all we're doing. I don't think we're saving much. Yeah. I, I have four composters. At my house that I use. You had those for a long time. I remember I you telling me you've been you've been a compost. You were composting before composting was cool. Right? I was uh, yeah. <laughs> I was a composting uh, queen. You're a hipster. <laughs> <laughs> True. Uh, In two ways. Yeah. <laughs> like, I I I I know that we can't do we go it alone local. And we talked about this in the podcast before. Just yeah. if, if if London's the only place that's doing this, and this is something the mayor talked about with with uh, with folks at the provincial government. There's got to be a province wide standard of yep. care, otherwise. There's nothing we can do here. And we talked about this uh, to, to, to Jesse's point earlier on the show last week as well. And, and Sean Lewis was saying, look, if we're if, if, if we have ANOVA and we have the London Abused Women's Center and most of the communities surrounding us don't have something like that or a reasonable facsimile to that, we're going to get a lot of people from outside of London coming in here, which is fine so long as that's properly funded. And I, I, I think you might say that I, may not be properly funded. No, Jesse. it's not properly funded. Yeah. And I think one of the conversations that we had yesterday First of all, I've never been in a series of meetings where executive directors show up consistently. Like we've tried to do that for years and it's it's shocking, quite frankly, that Mm -hmm. we're all making the time to do this. And what this is telling me is that um, we're we're all needing help and we're all needing a plan. Doing nothing is not an option. And uh, there was conversations, there was a lengthy conversation yesterday about funding for all of this because uh, recognizing that this is not just... 
the municipality's responsibility, but there's a responsibility to to do some advocacy at different levels of government. So that's part of the conversation when we're talking about this. Um, and how do we how do we approach it? Yesterday, the mayor was in the room, right? Like, and we also had people there who were from BIAs who were part of the conversations because we're recognizing that this is a whole of community response. And quite frankly, when it comes to funding, I'm not we're not getting like the executive directors and then the staff that we send to the other meetings, we're not getting any funding off of this. We're doing this off the sides of our desk, much like we do everything. And a lot of this is that if we don't figure out how to respond to this, that doesn't stop the work that organizations in this town have to do to respond to it because our phones are ringing off the hook. People are coming to our doors. We are having to figure out a plan and the feeling of isolation in that plan is really difficult. So there's some, there is some hope that like maybe we're getting closer to what we need to be doing. Um, but the desperation that we're seeing in community is horrific. And so I think, I hope we're on the right track. I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of work being put into, into something different. Um, but I've never seen sort of the likes of this before. So it, it, that's where I'm it, sitting. We can hope we're on the right track all we want, but we're not on the right track, number one. And then Craig says it's not an issue. I think you were quoting Sean, right? It's not an issue if it's properly funded. Well, what right. in the history of anything has, has anything ever, yeah. ever been properly, properly funded, funded, right? right. And so uh, Sean, a couple of weeks ago, Sean, uh, you know, comes out with the comment that other municipalities are sending their people to London, it's been right? here for years. Like, and like everybody, anybody who's spent one day in the city of London over the last 20 years has heard that whisper that they're like, they're, they're shipping people here. And it's been kind of a, like, it's, it's kind of common knowledge, right? Now, yeah. Sean comes out and, and, and says it officially and, and shines a light and, on and it. And there's, there's some numbers that came with city staff with that. And right, from, right. Yeah, right. Yeah. But so, so does the issue, and here's my question. So we, we do all of this, and now does London become the hub where it's like, well, it's almost not a self-fulfilling prophecy, but it's like, hey, all these things that, hey, go to London, uh, people from Windsor, people from Ottawa, people from, because they have the resources, they have the facilities, they have the support structures. Well, now maybe maybe uh, we actually will, right? And, and so, like, have we given due consideration to the fact that, okay, there may be an influx of people, which is fine, but to Jesse's point, is that going to be properly funded and resourced? I again, I'm not a betting man, but I would bet you everything that I have that the answer to that question will be no. And, and I do too. I mean, that's see, I'm a realist. Same here. And, I'm a realist. Yeah. And, and like, what's changed? Um, the, the you could go to the Greyhound station when it was operational, and you could see the bus loads. Hundred percent. Just come off with their suitcases, and that was it. And they had no place to go. Uh, so here's here's my question about it then. So if it's not going to be properly funded, if we know we have an influx of people, the only way to avoid that is to have less people. So that means we've got to do something as far as the way these hubs would be set up and something for long-term housing for people who need it. And it's got to be housing that is affordable if you're on Ontario Works or ODSP, which is not what's going on in the private sector right now. Of course, not even close. So this is a massive problem that's going to take more than flipping on a light switch to fix. And I was at a housing announcement this week with the mayor, with Peter Fragascados mm. and, uh, and, and, and Skylar Frank was there as well, which is great, but we've got to start doing that all the time because we're so far behind where we need to be. And that's the most costly way to build houses. The modular one, yeah. incredibly how expensive. If we do that, we won't have near enough money. So if we've got to build a, a space for a whole bunch of people Quickly. to live, how do we do it in your estimation then? Well, how do you do it? First of all, you got to start with like 
let me say, I'm going to buy a house. Where do I go first? I go to my bank. I go to a mortgage company. I make sure that I have money to do that. And then I go out and look. The problem we have here is we've got to do it, but we don't have money. And, and I mean, Ali, you've said this uh, ten times. Is there going to be money? No. Is there money now? Do we have a national plan that's talking about quick housing? No. We don't. Do we have a provincial? No, we don't. So, uh, like, that's the problem, and I know, Craig, it's what do we do now? Well, what did we do two years ago? What did we do five years ago? Nothing. What's changed? Like, what has changed over the last five years? It's like we're treating the... And, and, the problem's gotten worse. The only thing that's changed. Yeah, but it's, yeah. Just, it's like... Why? The, this is a symptom of, of the core problem, and it's like if we keep addressing the symptom, which we have to do because there's it's, it's a, there's a moral imperative to do this, right? Uh, not just from a financial, but like a moral imperative to do this. But it's like, to, to Cheryl's point, there's core issues that, like these things all emanate from a core issue, whether it's, you know, financial realities or housing realities or, you know, a, a broken, you know, model or something like that. It's like we're gonna we're gonna spend all our time, effort, and resources focusing on kind of the symptoms without ever really focusing the time that we need to on the core issues that give rise to these things, right? And that that's that's kind of the exactly that's kind of the issue, right? It so. Well, it needs to be both and, right? Like we it need to be, we need and. to be right. talking about prevention, which we're not talking about right. prevention. We're not talking about that the most common reason for women to have addictions is because of trauma, right. and maybe mm-hmm. if we talk about little ones and we talk about how the support that we need to give to moms maybe we can see an impact yeah. on the number of people who are needing to use opioids and the people exactly. who are overdosing on the street or you know in front of a shelter so that needs to be a conversation just as much as the intervention yep. piece to it as well and i will say uh it's been getting bad for a long time and a lot of us have been ringing the alarm bell and it feels like nobody has been listening. Mm. And so part of it is trying to figure out how do you get people in positions of power to listen and to understand what's going on. COVID exacerbated everything. Mm. So many doors closed and so many uh, places we couldn't close our doors and we saw this wave coming, right? We had influx of whether it was funding or envelopes available and then I remember, I remember vividly in like May of 2020 thinking, we are going to pay for this. Yeah. Of course. We are, we are cashing a check that we can't, like, we can't reimburse afterwards. And at the time, it was just like, we need to figure out this horrible crisis. But you could see it. It was like a train coming down the track. And now it feels like we're being run over. And it, there's a frustrating piece to this. Um, I'll only speak for me, but I think uh, if I had colleagues in the room uh, who do the same work, they would agree that we have been sort of ringing the alarm bell for a long time. And now it's just gotten so that nobody can ignore it. It's not just us who do right. the work anymore. But, but, but that's the thing, though. So I agree with you, everything you said. And when you talked about, like, that's what I was saying about core issues, right? It's like you're mm-hmm. talking about the core issues. You've been, you said you've seen this ha- coming a long way. It's like watching mm-hmm. a slow motion motor vehicle collision, right? Yeah. It's like, and, and yet, whether we're talking about it in this context or we're talking about it in a climate crisis, we have scientists basically have said that the, you know, the, yes. the climate catastrophe is en route, right? And does the average person, care. do they care about it? Yeah, they care about it, but are they willing to do anything about it? Not really, not until they're impacted by it on it, right? Yeah. And now for the first time, and I, right, we see the, in the last two, three, four years, we've seen these, extreme climate events and now only when people are impacted by do they actually is it an impetus or a catalyst to move and now the reason i'm saying that is because now we have homelessness always used to be 
um, uh, you'd come downtown for something, you see a few homeless people on the street and maybe they're yeah. sleeping, you feel bad or, or like that. Okay. But you never, it wasn't something that the average Londoner, the average Ontarian mm-hmm. or the average Canadian had to deal with kind of, it, you could on a daily you, basis. On a daily basis. Wasn't you could, in your face. You could be willfully blind to it all if yeah. you wanted to, right? You could kind of look the other way and acknowledge it was there, but never really, it never really would impact you. Mm-hmm. And now for the first time in the last, you know, two, three, four years, that's not an option. And that's where I'm saying people are now impacted. And there's a window. Yeah. There's a window right now. I, I believe yeah. this with every fiber of my being, that there's a window of opportunity mm-hmm. right now um, to actually take substantive concrete steps to get things done uh, on this. I, I, I sometimes feel that there are windows of opportunity. So when we're talking about like, can you capture the public attention or the public consciousness, right? Regardless of what we're talking about. There was after the tragedy in the United States with George Floyd, right? There was a window of mm-hmm. opportunity there where the enti- entire collective national, international conscious was, was focused on it. And there was a window of opportunity to do something there before we got distracted with something else. Right. With the residential schools, with the unmarked g- graves, right? There was for the first time people, myself as a microcosm of the larger thing, I was like, oh my God, what's going on? And there was a window of opportunity where mm-hmm. it's like, all right, I'm, I'm vested in this. And I feel like we're in that window right now with with this issue where there's if there's a, a willingness and an appetite to actually get something done, there's a there's a window. I don't know when it's going to close, but it is going to close, right? But but, I, but I, I agree with you. But the one thing that we're talking about all the time is the last part. It's called health and homeless. The re- we're not talking about health. We're not even, that's, that's the first name in this, health yeah, and homelessness. I think we are, though, from this perspective. Uh, so, and the, the mayor said this a couple times. If you're worried about ER wait times, if you're worried about things, if we have fewer people who do not have a place to live, that is going to... Yeah, I've heard Josh say that. Yeah, I've heard, yeah, I've heard but that's, I think that's true. Yeah, but we, we're not responsible for health. No. Municipally, this is a health issue. And that's why I said we had no one around the table that were there that fund health. The so you think you fed. think that the the, the the provincial government should have had people there? I, I, and I, and I agree the, with and you. To be, I, I completely the, agree with you, to be clear. The, it's I, I, health. Like, it's called health. Should Rob Flack and Peter Fragascados and Peggy Sattler sure. all have been at those places? Absolutely. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I know the they yes. tried to get in and they yeah. weren't allowed. Right. So... We're not talking about the big price uh, part of it. It's the health. I mean, Sean. Well, it's, uh, health, it's health. It's policing. It's like the, there's, a, there's, there's an impact on it. Like it, right. it, it, it touches it's criminal everything. justice, the whole thing. It's the, mm-hmm. it's, yeah. the, it's the judicial system that's overrun that they can't, right, can't deal with, right? And exactly. so, we, so mm-hmm. we have judges and justice of the peace that can't put people in. And I, don't, I'm not talking about putting Like I'm no, saying no. that they, yeah. right? Um, we have our health care, right? You got to wait 14 hours in an emergency room for something, right? Police are overstrained like it's like it, it impacts every single facet of our society here and it's and that's why i'm saying like people mm-hmm. are now impacted in a way that they never have been in the yeah. past and i feel like it's now it's there's an impetus to do something about the window that. for health is now too because we may admit, like like it's it's yeah. if health and homelessness tied together the hell are we doing about it we're going to build a hub that's going to look after 14 people that see that's that's just yeah. Too small. The, the conversations around health have been happening, and maybe I don't disagree. I think there's there's a need to talk to to funders who fund that. Um, LHSC is around those mm-hmm. tables. I've never seen, I've never gotten an opportunity to talk to somebody from LHSC 
in conjunction to the work that I do. It's it's public health is usually who we chat with and having conversations that about how we can... That doesn't make a lot of sense that you haven't had that chance no, until exactly. now. Yeah, well, yeah. so this thing. is an opportunity, yeah. right? Yeah. So it's, in it's having... the new president. She's she's a real community yeah. person. Yeah. And then being able yeah. to have conversations around yeah. how do we... Like the, the stuff that we're seeing with people experiencing need, needing like really intense wound care and, you know, having some pretty intense health uh, challenges and being able to divert them and be able to give them what they need so that maybe they don't have to go to the ER talking to them because we know that some of the people that we support go to the ER not just because they have some sort of something that needs to be diagnosed but they want to talk to somebody who will listen to them and believe them and so maybe we can maybe we can find another way for them to get what they need that doesn't need to be getting in an ambulance or going to the emergency room so good luck in getting into an ambulance and going to an emergency room anymore and then but then I look at the injection site and I think wow that's a fantastic looking place how much money did we put into making it beautiful like the money see I don't want to it could be an old rundown bill I don't care that money should have gone into providing homes should be healthcare. like i I sometimes here's what i'll say about the funding on the consumption sites and i really i I really believe this you save two people from getting hepatitis or hiv every year you've paid for it no i'm talking about the building have you seen it no i get it it's 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 two million yeah but like if you think about the lifetime cost of paying for someone's health care if they have hepatitis or hiv you save two a year and you have you have paid for the you have no. paid for the, the consumption side. Disagree with you, but that, that's just the numbers though. Because think about how long someone lives and what the healthcare costs are associated with that. So even if it's just a, a cold hard numbers thing, you save two people from that, you've paid for it. Yeah, just like safe drugs. Well, now safe supply is a different conversation. It sure I is. That. All I'm saying is if you have if you give someone a safe place and safe equipment to use drugs and they're going to use drugs anyway. You have them using clean but, needles opposed to dirty needles. But they bring dirty money. shit in. Well, and that's that's, that's the a problem. problem I have because they bring in stuff they bought off somebody on the street, and we we let them use all the clean everything, and they put that dirty shit in their bodies, and then we have naloxone there to bring them back. Like to me, I'm very simple. It doesn't add up. Well. Give them, like, see, that's safe supply, right? I mean, I'm talking out of my ass here because I don't agree with safe supply, but I don't agree with the shit that they're carrying in and putting in their bodies. Like, that, to me, this is such Sadly, a Sadly, we can't just snap our fingers and get rid of Harm reduction is unbelievable. Well, no, but important. we can get rid of yeah. the damn pushers on the street. Well, th- that, that is a, I, I would love to see that. So would I. That's, that mm. sounds phenomenal to me because there are people who are taking advantage of those who are battling addiction. Totally. Who are, and, and that's a, a big pusher in some of the property crime that we see in this oh. community is the fact that those drug dealers are the ones who are profiting from that. And, and, Absolutely. And I'm not blaming the police officers at all because they're doing no. a damn bang-up job because the crime lately in London is horrific the gun shooting, the stabbing. I, I, I sometimes wonder. This is all wonder, part of the same deal, though. Oh, I know, but mm-hmm. it's like, and, and, it's, and the police are underfunded, and there's not enough of them, and we don't have, like, I love the, the um, police downtown. I love that. And we put millions of dollars into the, downtown. The, uh, the detachment Cor- we have on Yeah, the core unit down there. Yeah, that's That's a great thing to have for many Disclosure, reasons. Disclosure, you're the chair of the police yeah, services yeah, board. So, uh, yeah, yep. yeah, but it's a great thing to have for a number of reasons. Number one, uh, to have a police presence downtown. Totally. Number two, the perception of having the police presence downtown, right? And and um, uh, number three, for, for, for like 
average residents or people that shop and, and, and work downtown and business owners, yeah. right? Who we've heard from on Richmond Row and on Dundas and on York that basically say, right? So I, I think it's that's a win-win thing. But uh, and, and London, by the way, I mean, if you look at other municipalities, uh, they have multiple detachments throughout, yes. you know, yes, they we might have four do. or five or six or seven different kind of uh, uh, hubs throughout the city, police hubs throughout the city. Right. And so this and is they London's should be first. back into the high schools, too. They uh, should be back. That's a whole other kettle of fish. <laughs> they, it, and well, bite my tongue in, on that in, one. Yeah, in, we're going to have yeah. to... Invite Mark Fisher. Turn, turn, turn off the mic. Uh, yeah. oh. uh, Mark and I aren't always on the oh, best no. of terms. Oh, no, me uh, neither. Yeah, 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 can you believe that? Uh, there are people out there who don't care for me. That's, that's <laughs> shocking, shocking information. As do they not care for me, and I... And I that is I less surprising. That. <laughs> that is less surprising. Uh, we'll wrap up the Craig Needles podcast there. Thank you very much to Cheryl and to Jesse and to Allie for coming in and having a conversation with us today about uh, the big issues of the week, which kind of, we, we, we went to a lot of different things, but I'm, I'm glad we did. It was a we good conversation. Uh, this is the 200th episode hey. of the Craig hey. Needles podcast. Hey. So yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty fun. Thank you very much. Yeah, we're, uh, we're, we're having a good time here. So, uh, I think I was at your first one. You it? were on the first one and here you are on 200. So, See you at yeah. 300 and 400 yeah, and 500 exactly. after that. You're going to be here at every, uh, every subsequent uh, big anniversary, big, uh, big milestone. Hollywood. Uh, so thank you very much to everyone who listens to the Craig Needles podcast and downloads loads it and uh, and give us all sorts of great feedback we appreciate that and uh, uh thank you for listening to this particular episode as well the 200th of the craig needles podcast which you can find at classicrock981.com and londonnewstoday.ca the craig needles podcast is a presentation of the blackburn media podcast network 